Businesses tend to focus on revenue, profits, and getting loyal customers. But how about healthy workplace culture? You're listening to How I Turned the Corner, where Kendra Prospero leads eye-opening conversations that most business leaders avoid. The right way to address employee challenges. Listen to real-life stories of workplace struggles, giving you valuable advice on what must be done to make every employee truly satisfied and fulfilled in their job. This is for leaders who want to create great company cultures and for employees who want to do something to put an end to suffering at work in the most practical ways possible. Here's your host, Kendra. So obviously, I am in the talent business. At least that's how my business is categorized. However, I do believe we are all in the talent business now because of the shift that employees have for their employers. Leaders can no longer afford to just go about things in the normal way. And my guest today couldn't agree more. Kevin Miller, the CEO and co-founder of Grow, digital marketing agency based out of California who specializes in SEO services. He has built his business very, very fast. He opened up this business in April of, get this, April of 2020, a time when I do not think very many people were thinking of starting a business, but he has managed to grow it from him and his co-founder to over 100 employees. That doesn't happen easily, and that certainly doesn't happen without some pain, but it is a testament to his remarkable leadership abilities and his belief that he can create a culture where people can thrive. Kevin Miller, welcome to How I Turned the Corner. Thank you very much for having me, Kendra. I'm super excited to be here. I'm very passionate about people and culture, so there's a lot for us to talk about. Yeah. So we have kind of a similar background in that we both came from big companies. You came from Google. I came from IBM. I feel like that experience really shaped me as a leader. Tell me a little bit about your experience being a leader at Google. So when I got to Google, it was 2014. I was there from 2014 to 2016. And from the moment that I arrived, it was very clear that employees personal and professional lives were prioritized. And so the net effect of that through a myriad of things that they did, which I can get into, was that they made me want to work hard in my role. They made me want to succeed. They made me want to help other employees. It was an environment where everyone was given mutual respect. You had the ability to disagree with another person, but all ideas were welcomed and able to be heard out. And so because I could tell that they cared about me as a person, it changed how I viewed my work and it made me incredibly motivated. Hey, Google did a study a couple of years ago, I think came out during that period you were there even, worked with McKinsey to study what made organizations or certain parts of Google more effective than others. And their result was that particular leader of that group cared for their employees. It's so simple. And yet so few people actually really do it. So what did it mean for them to care for you? Like, what did they do? That What were some of the actions that they took that you've brought out into Grow? Well, I can explain. So I had a friend of mine. I was 23 at the time. One of my best friends from high school and growing up, he was diagnosed with cancer. And I needed to take like a month off of work, which was highly abnormal because I had only been at Google for 30 days. And they came to me and they said, no problem. We understand. You can go home. We're going to pay you for the entire time. And he passed away. So there was a funeral and things like that. And so I was just blown away. I thought they weren't going to allow that just because it's not their problem. And they just cared for me in a way that I thought was incredible in general, but also because of the short period of time that I was there. And so where that carries itself out in my workplace is I come from an experience of being an alcoholic and Alcoholics Anonymous with my co-founder, John. We both met in sobriety. 
And so we talk about our addiction struggles with our team members. And then if they're experiencing anything like that, or they have a death in the family, or they have some sort of tragic event, it's not taboo to talk about it. They're able to just tell us just very transparently. They don't have to hide it. And then we make accommodations for them if and when those things as life, those things happen, right? Good and bad things happen in life. And so we accommodate that. And because I experienced it myself, I now know what it means to give that gift to someone else. So I think at our workplace, we're able to just lead by example by saying, we understand the different pitfalls you could fall into in life. Here's ours. Tell us about yours. And I think it makes everyone feel more included and feel comfortable in the workplace because they can actually bring their whole self to work. Right. I think that's a big theme that people need now. Like life is so crossed over into work now because of our phones and their ability to work anywhere and all the time. We have to bring our whole person into the, the workforce now. Yep. And especially with parents. I mean, the way that Google would treat parents was just incredibly well, starting with like extended parental leave for both the mother and father. So we do that here as well which is highly abnormal for a startup our size. You have to really make that conscious decision to offer that type of a benefit. And then we just got a PEO from ADP, which I'm thrilled about. Most people don't care about that stuff, but I do because it gives our employees incredible benefits, like just as good as if they were to be at a Google or a Microsoft or an IBM. And so that encourages people to stay at the company and want to build a career here. And I think it goes a long way. Yes, absolutely. I think the benefits are kind of like one of those, it's like breathing, you have to have it. It's a really important part, but it's not something people really think about and sometimes even take for granted. Other things that contribute a lot to the culture. So what are other things that you're doing aside from just the great benefits that you do to kind of create this condition for people to thrive? You've got the care, you've probably got some other fun things you do. Yeah. So we have a system set up where when you come into the company, you are randomly assigned to chat with every single other member of the company throughout the course of a 12-month period. And it does take that long because we have 100 people. But I want my people speaking to each other, even if they have no relationship in their day-to-day work with each other. I want them to know who they are. I want them to get to know them as a person. So we have 15 and 30-minute meetings set up randomly throughout everyone's calendar on a weekly basis to help them get to know each other and ask questions about their personal life. 70% of our company is remote. So that represents all 50 states. So we have to go to that length to do that. Another thing that we'll do is we'll host events on a monthly basis that encourage people to have fun. So very recently, we had a virtual comedy show, a Zoom comedy show that the entire company participated on during work hours. And that just like brings people together. It just makes them feel like they really care. A few months ago, the United States went through the crisis with rising gas prices. And so we sent everyone gas cards to try to help mitigate that type of thing. And it's a small amount of money. So let's say maybe $25 or $50 per person. But that goes a long way for you as an individual to realize like my employer is watching out. This has nothing to do with work. This just has to do with making my life a little bit easier. Yeah. And so I'm constantly thinking of things that are circumstantial, like the ones I just described, to help people feel valued and to help them feel considered and help them feel important. The benefits are just, they really are just table stakes, like you said. Everybody offers them. Some are better than others. But we try to over-index on how we make people feel and making them feel valued. And that can be monetary, but also non-monetary. Honestly, a lot of it, the best way to do it is in a non-monetary fashion. So another example would be, we have a set of core values. And every week we pick a core value 
that we want to highlight and we want to call out employees who personify that value. So for example, today, our core value was over communicate and educate. And that's one of the core tenets of how we work with our customers. And so I was able to get recommendations from nine different employees who recommended other employees with a write-up as to why they personify that core value. And I was able to commend them and talked about them on all hands meeting in front of the whole company. And so that doesn't cost a dollar. It's just time and thoughtfulness. And so we prepare for that and it makes people feel great to be recognized. Yeah, absolutely. Those are all really good things. And I think too, the other element of this that you're creating is you're creating a tribe in a way. Now that word has sort of a negative connotation to it, but how it shows up for me is that people feel like they've got community inside your organization. And community is ultimately defined by people who care for each other. When you're asking people to actually get to know each other on a deeper level than just what do you do and where do you sit and where are you from, you're creating that community with people. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And creating community in today's world, like we were talking about earlier, is very hard to do when half of your staff or more is remote because you have to look at community from a remote perspective and an in-person perspective completely differently. So there's a lot of stuff we do in our headquarter office in Los Angeles that's different than what we do for remote employees. Getting people to go to lunch together, getting people to go to coffee together. We'll pay for people to go on coffee walks together to pay for their coffee so they can have time together. So I've just learned that ultimately this benefits the individual, but it also benefits the business. If employees like each other. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to that. Companies are a melting pot. You're hiring the best man or woman for the job. And so people come from all different socioeconomic and racial backgrounds. And what I always try to try to teach people is that we're fair and everyone's opinion is valued. Nobody is better than the, the next person. And so they can kind of see that with the way that I behave. I've always tell people that there's nothing that I would ask one of my employees to do that I wouldn't do myself, including throw the trash out in the kitchen and stock up the refrigerator with water. I'm not above any of that stuff because I'm the CEO. And I think that goes a long way as well with employees, knowing that you consider yourself a peer. I consider that I work with my employees, not that they work for me. And I think that's a big difference. I actually don't like that statement even when I say, when I meet people and they say, oh, what do you do? And I say, oh, I run a business and oh, well, do you have staff? And I always want to be like, well, I mean, I pay their paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like I write the check, but that's it. We're such a team and it's such a symbiotic relationship where we each gain from each other. And so, yeah, it's really hard for me to say that someone works for me. One of the guys that is on my team, he teases me because he knows it gets my goat. He'll call me boss lady. And I'm like, oh. do not call me boss lady. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that either. Yeah. I don't like that either. And he knows that. (laughs) (laughs) This wasn't probably very easy growing that fast. I'm sure you had some mistakes along the way. Do you mind sharing some of the things you learned? I mean, it's been such a short period of time that you've been in business, but I'd love to get an idea of like, what were some quick learnings that you had in the early days? Well, we've learned so much on the hiring front. So it's a great question. My business partner and I now, first of all, we interview every single person that comes into the company. So that's number one. I highly recommend that to any other CEO or founder. You want to make sure that you get to meet that person face-to-face. Not only is it important to make sure that they are a culture fit as you define it, but it's very important for them to know who you are. You don't want them to work for like a faceless or nameless CEO. And then we ask questions about where they came from. Like, how did they grow up? What was their family life like? What is motivating them to take this job? 
prior to starting this company, I worked at Google, like I mentioned, and a lot of other San Francisco-based tech companies. And if you're at Google, Facebook, Snapchat, those employees move around a lot. And Mm -hmm. they get poached by Airbnb and all these other companies that can pay so much. And they're not moving companies for the right reason. So you really want to understand why is someone motivated to work at your company? And we try to find the people that just really, really, really want the job for a very valid reason versus we're paying $10,000 more than the place that they were at before. Because if that's the reason, then they're going to leave us when someone offers them $10,000 more. So I look for things like punctuality. Are they on time for the interview? Politeness, professionalism. If I can tell that they're disengaged, even just like not focusing, I don't want to hire them. I'm looking for people who are like intentional. And by the time they get to myself and my business partner, we've already validated that they have the skills to do the job. It's just a personal cultural interview. And we ask ourselves, like, do we like this person's story? Do we feel like they embody what we embody? So another core value of ours is having an attitude of gratitude. We need people who are grateful for the opportunities that they have in their lives and don't take it for granted. Because it just all comes down to attitude, especially with the younger generation. I mean, I'm only 31 years old, so it's funny for me to say this, but there is a major shift in mentality and what it means to work and work hard if you're 25 or below, like mainly the Gen Z age range. And that can be a controversial view, but I have noticed that. So you have to like really drill in if you're a younger company. Our average age is somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 or 28. And you've got to just get to know the person. Like I'm saying, it all comes back to what's their motivation for the role and How do you make sure that they're there for the right reasons? Yeah. And I would say too, that I have really distinctive memories of being a new employee. I just remember so much about that time. And I remember being such a dork. I was the gal that sent an email to like our general manager and suggested some things they should do for strategy. I mean, I was 23, right? Like so stupid, (laughs) but I was well-intended And I mean, I I hear those stories now of of our incoming generation. And I think it is just youth. I believe we just have to teach people how to have a job. Because I mean, I would definitely say, I don't think I worked that hard when I was 23. I just didn't have enough context for why. Because I have a couple of Zoomers, as they're now known, on my team. And I mean, Uh they're amazing. And we're kind of coaching them along the way too. on like what it means to have a job and how you show up. So that's interesting. You also mentioned something else that I want to come back to around creating this culture where you have the remote as well as in person. Can we go back to that for just a second? Because I'm kind of curious, what are you doing for your remote employees to help them feel connected? I mean, you've got these interviews you've set up. What other things are you doing? We do a lot of other virtual events. So the comedy show was just one idea. Okay. Uh, But we do other events like cooking classes, mixology classes, things like that, so that they can do that on an interactive basis. And so I just try to think of things that are non-work related that can get them in the same room. And then what I do try to do is if we ever have a company offsite or an event, if I'm in an area where I know we have some employees, I make sure that we all meet up. So even if it's not at our office, we'll make arrangements for them to come join us if they're in the area. Then we'll also do is we'll pay for, for example, we have a group of seven or eight employees in Lynchburg, Virginia. Not for any particular reason. They just all happen to live there because good people refer good people. And there's a group of them that are fantastic that just have referred each other and their friends. So we'll pay for them to go out to dinner as a group. Okay. And so I'm very in tune with where people live and what groups of people live where. And then we have a team member on our HR team that's in charge of inclusion and culture and making sure that we are connecting all the individuals we can. So that's how we do it. It's not a specific science, but we go through each group of people and make sure that they're all together. 
Well, what I hear too, Kevin, that's unique about you is you are thinking about your people a lot. I mean, I know my brain thinks about my cash and where to spend it, how to find it, all that. And then my products and services, are they competitive? Are they doing the right thing for the market? And then my third of my time is then spent on my people. So it's my people, the products and cash. I mean, that's where my brain is always at when it comes to the business. And again, I don't meet very many leaders who think like that. And so I appreciate, I've already heard you say this a couple of times, like you're thinking about what you can do a lot. It's on your mind a lot. Yeah. Well, look, In my business specifically, the reason that a lot of businesses have grown and done what they've done without having great culture is because they may be heavily reliant on their technology. So for example, like Airbnb or Uber or Lyft, they can have big layoffs or they can have big changes. And I guess Twitter is a better example. Twitter is going to run regardless. Same with Instagram. And so the owners of those businesses don't have to be as in tune because the end user doesn't notice a lapse at the tool when they're using it if the internal culture is not great. But when it comes to a digital marketing agency, our people are our product. We're effectively selling their time and their strategy. So if they're not happy, they're not going to go the extra mile for their client. They're not going to deliver for their client. So you really, quite frankly, cannot survive if you're a people or services-based company if you don't have a culture like this. Even in the case of Uber and Lyft, that's why I hesitate when I say them, their drivers have to be happy. What happens when their drivers are not happy because they're not being paid? They go on strike. And that's happened multiple times because both companies raised a bunch of money and they cared about their end user and the internal people, but they didn't care about the people actually carrying out their core service. That was a big oversight and both companies paid for it. Oh, for so, sure. What a ridiculous thing to over to forget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they learned the hard way. If they had treated their drivers better and honestly lifted a much better job than Uber did, And there's tons of articles and documentation on this where Lyft drivers were always paid better and treated better. And that's why the company did well with less funding and and didn't have like this major revolt of people not willing to drive like Uber did. So it catches up with you. I mean, in this day and age, you have to treat people the way that you want to be treated. It just has to happen. And so I'm a firm believer in that. Yes, totally agree. That's amazing. So then let's spend a minute on like how you've actually scaled this culture. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and share a little bit about how you've done this. And then I have some thoughts that I want to maybe add to it. Well, first, all of our employees are organic. They all came through a very specific, consistent recruiting process. So we haven't had any like major acquisitions or mergers where people come from a different culture. They've all come in and had the same first impression of what it means to work at Grow. So for example, you sign your offer letter at Grow. That same day, we have a welcome box that gets sent to you with a t-shirt, coffee mug, hat, all these different things that like make you feel a part of. That's your first impression of Grow. And so every single person who's come in to Grow has had the same experience in their onboarding. And it's very intensive. They get to meet a number of people. They get trained for at least a month before they work with a client. It's very uniform. And so then we introduce them to our core values and every single person, like I mentioned, meets with me. And so they get to hear from me in particular what I expect out of them and what our core values mean and why we've chosen them. So that happens with every single employee. And then every week we have an all hands meeting for an hour and you hear from every single department head as well as myself. And that meeting is highly focused on core values and connecting our work to our core values. So it's very hard to mistake that, but then people get bought into this culture of being kind. We believe that like you don't have to be rude and mean to have business success. You can do it without that. 
And so I have a lot of stewards that have learned from me and then they carry it on. I don't even need to be in the room and they're exemplifying what it means to work at Grow. And so that's how we've done it. It's kind of like cross-pollinated organically. I've just hired a number of good people, good people, good people. They've referred better people. We put them in management positions and everyone, you can't be a jerk or an asshole and work at Grow. I always tell people, I'll fire you. If I hear Mm -hmm. that you're being rude, disrespectful, and that goes for internal and clients. Mm -hmm. I have exactly the same. That's one of our values too, is no jerks. Yeah. I wrote an email yesterday to a client who cussed at one of my employees and I just said, that's not acceptable. All business matters aside, I don't care what happened. I don't condone that. We're not working with you anymore. What they do? They were upset, but they probably haven't been spoken to like that before. There were days where I used to just put up with that behavior because we needed the money. Now we don't. And I take the liberty of letting people know that I don't want you in my sphere. It's too negative. I'm allergic to negative energy. I'm never going to subject my employees to rude clients just for money. And that goes the longest way with employees. When they see that I catch wind of that, and then I fire the client to preserve their mental health, how could that not make them want to work here? That is amazing. And I think that is a true testament to strong values. Because when you have the kind of values that make tough decisions easy, then you've got a real value. It's real. And your employees know what your real values are. And so if you're hiding behind something that looks great on a wall or sounds great to customers, but you're actually not living that, employees know that. Just like your kids know what your buttons are, right? And so, yeah, no, that's excellent. I really applaud that. And again, very unique. Like that's not what a lot of leaders are doing, and especially in your industry too. Yeah, because you don't want to lose the revenue, but that's like your sort of put up or shut up moment as a leader. You get to prove to your team that you took a revenue hit to preserve culture. And that speaks for itself. I don't even need to say anything. Yeah, and I think it comes back around to what you said a few minutes ago too, about you're never going to ask your employees to do something that you wouldn't do. No, And you don't want to work with those types of jerks. And so why would you want your employees to do that? Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel too. It makes it so when I make an ask as a manager, people don't say no because they know that I'm not recommending this to put more work on their plate. This is what has to be done. And I would do it if I had the time myself. So it's not like everybody knows we're on an equal playing field. Yeah. So then for this final interview with you, when you kind of are doing the review and you're just figuring out their person's story and if they're a fit or not, have there been people where you've been a little on the fence and you still brought them in? Yes. And what happened? Did it work out or? Yes and no. Okay. It depends. Sometimes you can't tell enough from a 30 minute final meeting, even with my partner conferring. And so there's no substitute for just getting someone into the role and seeing how they perform. I agree. Because you can see how they do over time. But you asked a question about how do we really scale to 100 employees? The key is not a lot of people left. So that's the thing that has been helpful for us growing is that we've created a workplace where people want to stay. Yeah, And so it sounds like a huge number, 100 W-2 employees, because we also have 100 contractors. So it's really 200 total, but <laughs> it just added up one by one. And that's not to say that we haven't had people leave. I mean, we've had a number of employees leave voluntarily because they were burned out. We couldn't hire fast enough at one point to keep up with the demand. We didn't have a level system in place for a year that could articulate clearly what someone's career path was. We had some people leave because of that to go to a more mature company. And so it's certainly not without growing pains. We've had more turnover than I'm fairly comfortable with, frankly, comfortable with. But I've been racing to improve those parts of our business to make sure that we can improve retention. So like one of my big metrics for this coming year is employee retention rate. But I want to have 10% or less of our employees that leave voluntarily or and in general. So yeah. that's what I'm thinking. 
And I would add on to that after going through this for a long time myself and really just thinking about it all the time, even when they leave voluntarily, like, is it something that you could have had control over or is it something you could have caught in an interview? But like, I've had people leave me voluntarily for like really amazing jobs that I would not be able to offer. Yep. And I'm super proud of the fact that I've grown a few executives out of my business that left and went to run bigger organizations and had bigger titles. Like that's awesome for them. We weren't in a spot to do that for them. So I don't really worry so much about that kind of turnover, but it's the turnover where people are like, it wasn't me. It was you. I mean, it wasn't you. It was me, you know, whatever, right? Some version yeah. of that. What could well, I have done different? Here's another thing that's actionable that other people listening to this can take away that I think is great. I conduct every exit interview. Okay. So if someone leaves voluntarily, I meet with them and I understand what went wrong. And I ask them, I say, you're not going to hurt my feelings at all, but my job is to make sure that this workplace gets better. And if someone's leaving within six months, that means it's not their fault. Nine times out of 10, it's the employer's fault. We didn't do something. We didn't meet their expectations. I politely ask that and want to know what that is so that I can fix it. Mm -hmm. And if it's you as the founder, they'll typically give you that information. But most founders don't do that. They don't think it's worth their time or they forget about it. I don't think that's smart. Just having an HR person do it. I don't know if the information really gets back to you as the founder in, your, in its full format. And so I've been able to make multiple changes as a result of feedback that I've gotten in those meetings. And then also it de-escalates the situation too. So if someone's upset about something, but they get your time as the CEO, that's a respectful act. So they typically leave the company less mad. And like one of the most important things is to limit negative word of mouth and not to burn a bridge. So like I always tell all my employees, we don't burn any bridges no matter what. If someone has a horrible experience here, that's unfortunate, but we'll talk it through. But no one's ever going to leave saying those people were horrible and they did this to me or that to me. Like We just don't engage in that activity. Mm -hmm. We're too mature and too much of an adult to do that. So that goes a long way too. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end this. So thank you, Kevin, so much for your insights on this. I'm really, really impressed by what you've been doing and what you're doing. I hope you're able to use this as part of your employment brand too, because I want more people to hear the amazing work that you've got going on internally and externally there at Grow. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me, Kendra. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining this exciting episode. We hope this discussion brings you closer to a better, healthier, and more rewarding workplace everyone deserves to be a part of. If you want more content like this, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at turningthecornerllc.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to share this with your friends in the corporate world. And together, let's make this space a hub of growth and job satisfaction. If everyone loves where they are, they can always give their best without regrets. That's all for now. See you on the next one.